Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Family, family, here we are again. We're back, coming to you live from Merritt Island, Florida. Tell you what, it's been a crazy weekend for college football, but it's, it's here. Nonetheless, we started playing college football, and we're excited. As a matter of fact, we had another game the other night, the Merritt Island Mustangs, and we won. We're now 2-1, and one, the mighty, mighty Mustangs. We beat Heritage High School out of Palm Bay. It was a great game. Wish you could have been there. Wish you could have seen it. But maybe next time. Guys, we talked last week about Florida State and Alabama. What did I tell you? I told you. Florida State was not going to beat Alabama. I tried to tell you, you didn't want to listen to me. So all you Florida State fans, you Seminole fans, hey, God bless you. Good luck to you next time. Maybe next time your AD will think twice about scheduling Alabama, the University of Alabama, as long as Nick Saban is in town for the first game of the season. I don't know if that was such a smart move. Not only was it not a smart move, but you got your quarterback hurt. He took a beating in that game, and now he's out for the season. And unfortunately for him, the Miami Hurricanes are down there. Man, they're blowing horns all over the place, all over Miami, Florida. Yay! But that's not the way we do things. We're fans, but we want to make sure that everybody's safe. DeAndre Francois, I recruited you coming out of high school. I thought you were a stand-up young man, and I still do have those same feelings for you. I'm terribly hurt for your injury. God bless you. Hopefully you have a speedy recovery. I'm still a Seminole fan. It's in the state of Florida. But Bama just had their way that night. Now, talking about Florida State and Alabama, let's continue to talk about them a little bit. If you're sitting out there and you want to give us a call and join in on this conversation, be happy to do so. Now, Alabama okay, comes into the game, you know, the heralded, you know, the, the, the big SEC football team and the SEC is better than the ACC. And again, I was hoping, I was rooting for Alabama simply because I thought that they had a better shot to win. Not an Alabama fan, but I do love great football and they play great football. Now, I was not impressed with Jalen Hurt. I was more impressed with their, with their team as a whole, but not impressed with Jalen Hurt. I didn't think he had the foot speed to outrun when I, it, before the game, I thought he would have had the foot, foot speed to outrun Florida State's defense, but it didn't happen. He, he showed a, the lack of speed that I think that he's going to need in order for him to be in a national championship race again this year. Now, if they don't, if Florida State doesn't make those types of mistakes, let's just go back to the game. The game is close, fairly close. And then, second half, you come back, and right before halftime, Florida State misses a field goal. They make the field goal, it's 10-10, new ball game coming, out, out of, coming back in the second half. They miss a field goal. Then you had two major mishaps at the beginning of the third quarter. You get a punt block, and then one of your inexperienced kickoff returners takes the ball out of the end zone and fumbles the ball inside the 10-yard line. Alabama goes up. But these are the things that happen to Florida State. I played against Florida State all my, my college career. 
been watching Florida State since 1984. And it's a typical Florida State team, an inexperienced Florida State team. When Florida State gets down, if they don't have success early, they tend to get emotionally involved in the game where Alabama doesn't have that trouble. Alabama's a 60-minute football team. Florida State's not. And that's where the game got out of hand. Alabama just kept chopping wood. They just kept rowing. Kept rowing the boat. Florida State, those kids, I'm going to make something happen. And they didn't. They made something happen, but it happened for the other team. So when, when you're playing in a game like that, for all you young, you know, all my family members that are out there listening, you young guys that are playing high school football and some of you guys that are just going to college, you cannot get caught up in the emotions of the game. You've got to play one play at a time, one play at a time as best you can to the, the, as close to your full potential as you possibly can play. And that's what they preach up there at the University of Alabama. That's what a lot of these coaches are preaching now. One play at a time, as fast as you can, for as long as you can possibly go, from whistle to whistle. And that was the difference in the ball game. Now, what does this mean for, for Florida State? You lose DeAndre Francois, but you name Blackman from Bill Glade, Glade Central, where they chase rabbits for a living. Where in Glade, down in Bell Glade, if you've never been there before, you have, if you're Floridian and you're in Florida, if you've never been there before, you have to go. It is a breeding machine. It is a breeding ground for high school professional football players. There's a myth, and they say it's a myth, but I saw it firsthand. No one wants to believe that these kids are out there really chasing rabbits. But they do. It happens. A lot of those kids are born in poverty. It's almost like a third world country down there in, in Bell Glade. So a lot of the only way, the only source of income for some of those little young kids is to go out, chase rabbits, catch rabbits, and then sell them. I never forget the first time I went to Glade Central, I was actually, I was literally driving around and I had no idea what I was in store for. So when I finally get, a, get to Bell Glade, I'm in, I'm in awe. I'm amazed at what's going on. I had no idea that it was like that. But if you haven't gone, you got to go. You got to get a chance to go to down to Glade Central, Bell Glade, Florida, and take a look at it for yourself. Third world country, breeding ground for football players. An amazing place to play football. Guys, when, and this is what happens. There's a bunch of sugarcane fields all over the place down, place down in Bell Glade. That's a, a, a big sugar and the, you know, one of the major sources of, of sugar in the state of, actually in the country. And it's right there in Glade Central, Bell Glade, Florida. So what happens in the off-season, what they'll end up doing, they burn the sugar cane after the season to allow the, the, the ground to fertilize and, and regroup and refresh for the next season. And then, while they're burning the sugar cane, the rabbits start to run. And, boy, when I tell you, those young kids, I sitting out there and they're looking at the fires burning, they're looking at the sugar cane fields burning, they're waiting for those rabbits to come out, and they chase them. Now, if you know anything about chasing rabbits, you know that 
Because if you know anything about rabbits, period, they got a little small heart. Heart doesn't last that long. So if you chase them long enough, the heart will bust. It'll burst. They'll die. But a lot of those kids are fast and quick enough to chase these rabbits and run alongside of them and just snap up down, hit them with a little piece of stick, a little bat, and it breaks their neck. They pick up the rabbits, they put them on the handlebars, they drive them around, sell the rabbits. Okay, But in the meantime, what that does for these young kids, it develops the muscles, it develops them, and it teaches them how to run fast, how to change direction. And, and in the meantime, what they're trying to chase rabbits to earn a little bit of money, they're actually developing muscles and movements that not a lot of people can do. So it's a very interesting deal. And if you, if you haven't done it, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's actually on YouTube. There's a little a video about it, but it's a good deal. But that's where Mr. Blackman is from. That's where the new starting quarterback for Florida State University is from. He's got one game, and then he's going to play the University of Miami, the Miami Hurricanes, my alma mater. And it's going to be interesting to see. They didn't have a great running game against Alabama. I'm not so sure if that was because Alabama's defense was just that great. Or they still need work. So they're going to need that in order for them to beat the University of Miami. They're going to need that tremendously in order for them to beat the University of Miami. Matter of fact, I got a, we got a guy that's joining us here that actually owes me a meal <laughs> for Mama Lucy's, the greatest barbecue place in the world. Kevin, I told you, I told you there was no way that Florida State was going to beat the University of Alabama. Well, first of all, if I'd have known they was going to point shave, I wouldn't have made that prediction. I mean, come on. What, uh, a punt? A punt blocked, a field goal blocked, a fumble on the return, and an missed field goal. Say it again. Oh, and a miss. Oh, of course, missed field goal. I mean, well, this is what I was sharing with the family, Kelvin. We all know we've all played Florida State for a long time. We won a lot of national championships having to go through Florida State, and we know that Florida State's a very a, a very emotional football team. Very what I said with the family, and I want you to elaborate on a little bit more. I mean, not yet, okay? But what I told them, Kelvin, if Florida State's not having success early in the game, they tend to fall back on their emotions. Where Alabama's yeah. one of those types of teams, and what, what Nick Saban and his Alabama, the Crimson Tide, prides themselves on is playing one play at a time as best you can for seven seconds for 60 minutes. One play at a time. And I think that's what they did, and I think that's how they overcame. Well, when you look at when you look at the two rosters, top to bottom, I mean, Alabama, yeah, has a pedigree, but realistically, it's, it, 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 you can argue that Florida State probably has more talent. But you're right; the the the, the line stays even with Alabama. You know, they have some they have some ups, they have some downs. They stay the course, and you know, me and me and you were talking about this uh, earlier in 1989 when we lost to them in uh, Tallahassee. Uh, we were driving in for the, um, I guess, the go-ahead score, and then they called a timeout, and then we drive it to the one. Shannon, they were all arguing with each other, you know, in the huddle, and Shannon Crowell fumbles the ball at the one, 
and they bomb us on the next play and they score and that, that changed the game. But if we would have scored that touchdown, we would have probably, you know, won that game because they were already at each other's throats. And, you know, like you said, they had a situation where Francois was, you know, basically having to put the whole offense on his back because the offensive line wasn't doing a good job. The running backs were ineffective. And it looked like to me they started rolling everything to Arden Tate. So the only big play guy he had was basically taken out of the game. But Alabama yeah, didn't that, exactly. That was, Alabama didn't exactly do anything to win the game. It's like Florida State lost it. And you're right. You're absolutely right. I was going to say that they lost the game. They gave the game away. And and I agree. It looked like Florida State had a lot more talent. Now I'm not going to say a lot more, but they were just. It looked like they were just as talented, if not more, in some positions than what than what Alabama was. And I'm sitting. There, I mean, look at the first touchdown. And you, you said it, that you did not think that Minka, Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick could cover their receivers. Auden Tate, yeah. First touchdown. Auden Tate, that's, that's where they got the first touchdown from. Auden Tate beats Minka Fitzpatrick. Then they coverage and give it right back. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. But and that got again, two you know, freshmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the scary part about it. He's a true freshman going up against a seasoned veteran like Minka Fitzpatrick. But I tell you what, we got to take a break. We're gonna, hey, we're gonna keep that thought, Kevin. We're gonna finish talking about um, Florida State, and again, we're gonna talk about Florida State and Alabama because you owe me a meal, and I want my, I want my food, I want my mama. <laughs> we're gonna take a break right now, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're talking Western Ambush this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the Western states. Joining us is Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country, Jill Gector from Cinch Jeans, Dean Capuano of Sawarski Optic Quest, and Freddie Hartice of Hollywood Hunter. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
Family, we're back. We're back with my main man, Kelvin Harris. Kelvin, Florida State, Alabama. Florida State, more talented team. Alabama, more disciplined, more, more poised than Florida State. Is where they won the football game. Game came down to who was going to make the least amount of mistakes. Florida State makes some mistakes early. Early in the second half, game is over. Lose DeAndre Francois. We got to go with the true freshman quarterback. How do we recover from that? Well, I think, I don't know who they play this week, but they'll be able to at least get a victory this week, and then they see us in two weeks. I, I, don't, I don't think they can fix their offensive line problems quick enough to, um, to beat us. But then it don't get no easier because North Carolina State may arguably have one of the top five D-lines in the country themselves. So, you know, Rick Trickett is going to earn his check this year because, God forbid, something happened to James Blackman. Who would their quarterback be then? And then the season goes downhill from that point. So, well, what, what has to happen is, yeah, okay, James Blackman is the quarterback now. I mean, you you got to figure Jimbo Fish is an offensive guru. He's not going to put James in a position where he can possibly get hurt. No, he'll try to run the running ball. James like that. Yeah, he's going to have to run the ball, and that's where Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers are going to have to. They're going to have to step up because I didn't see them the other night. No, they was in witness protection. Yeah, I mean they they were lost. I, I don't know what what happened. You know, I, I thought that Jacquez was a big and strong enough back to be able to, to line up and compete against Alabama, but it didn't happen. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Talking to some of the FSU alumni before the season started, a lot of them weren't too sold on him. And I, I, I just, I mean, he's big and strong, but he don't do nothing special. You know, um, and Cam Akers, I just thought they was putting a lot of eggs in that basket. I mean, you're talking about a kid that was playing quarterback this time last year. And, I mean, I know he's talented, but. Davin Cook only comes around once in a generation. I mean, exactly. If it was if it was that easy to, to replace a guy like Davin Cook, then everybody would be you know running the ball for two, three hundred yards. It's just not that easy. You just can't find them, you know, under any uh anybody's uh bed bedside. So you know you got a situation where you're trying to put all this pressure on Cam Akers and and, and I think Jacquez Patrick you know maybe should step up, but I just don't think. It's in them right now. I think at some point Cam Akers will be good. But I think now we're going to find out. I mean, I always thought Jimbo was a great play caller. We're going to find out how creative he really is because he's got to create some offense because the defense is championship caliber. I mean, you know, they they gave up that one touchdown on the blown coverage and then, you know, they gave up a couple more, but it was basically because of the turnovers. But if it wasn't for the turnovers, Alabama didn't move the ball. You're absolutely right. And talking about their defense, did you see Derwin James? Did you He's see a grown all man the now. different positions? He, he is. Everybody, you know, guys are calling in, asking me, hey, well, how does he compare to Jalen Ramsey? I think he's a different player than Jalen Ramsey, but I think he's going to be just as impactful as what Jalen Ramsey was for FSU's defense. I think this kid is a top five draft choice. I really, even at this point, you got to see him now. In order for you to be able to play those different positions, not only do you have to be skilled and, and have physical ability to do it, but you got to be smart. They even showed it one, one time. They it went before they went to commercial. They even showed 
and, and showed the different diagrams of him all over the field. Because remember, yeah. that freshman, he was coming off the edge. It was blitzing. I thought it was a defensive end at first. Well, you know what's but now, I, I couldn't understand how they let Ronnie Harrison get out of Tallahassee. But then now I really do understand. It's like they had to choose between him and Derwin James. You know, Ronnie Harrison's a pretty good ball player, but he ain't Derwin James. I mean, apparently the kid been 400 pounds. He's 220, 6'4". He can cover. He returns kicks. I mean, he's I don't even want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say the name. I mean, he, yeah, but he's you a, got to man. I mean, this kid deserves that. He deserves. It. He's a similar player. He's a similar player. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna be a he's gonna be a game changer in the NFL, and he is the dog they need on their defense. Now up front, um, Josh Sweat and Brian Burns they uh, they brought the pass rush, and the inside guys Christmas and Naughty they did a pretty good job. Them linebackers like they front four and they linebackers are pretty solid, and I just think you know the secondary will come on. I just don't think the secondary. Like the whole team, it, they they getting hit with a lot early on in the season, and I think the second half of the season they're going to be a lot better. But they just going to have to weather the storm because I mean, whoever they play this week, they can probably right the ship a little bit. Well, they got they but got then, Monroe, they got UL Monroe, which they should oh. be able to handle that game. That that yeah, you know, go out to they got the Indians, the Seminoles versus the Indians. You know, I mean, hey, so Florida the Indians should be okay slaughtered. Well, I mean, it's a good move because you got to think they had a big game at first. You needed a break to get your get your bearings, but I mean, next week, let's just be honest: the defensive line is just as good or better than what they just saw. Yeah, I mean, next, he, yeah, I mean, we could argue that, but we gotta again. It's according to what what they do with Black. How simple are they going to keep it so this kid? So they because they got talent. They got yeah, but they gotta have to pass the ball to win. They can't like. Yeah, there's but, no but, way. Yeah, yeah, but but you, you you can you can throw the ball, but your players got to be able to. Your receivers have got to be able to make plays on the ball, and that's what it's going to come down to. So where well, I'm, I think I'm going to pick make their plays. I'm going to pick their receiving core over Miami secondary at this point. Now, I didn't see anything against Bethune that would say that Miami secondary is just going to be great, and they lost a lot of kids. But I'm going to pick Florida State's receivers. I'm going to give them the edge over Miami secondary. Now, the difference maker is going to be Miami's defensive line. Will they give Blackman enough time to throw the ball when he needs to be able to throw it? And I'll tell you, that's the difference. If you look at what Alabama did, Alabama doesn't have a dynamic rusher like they had last year with Tim Williams and with uh, Ryan Anderson. They... um, they had to manufacture some rushes with some some games and some blitzes. And they had the one guy, I think his name was Lewis. He was decent. But they don't have Joseph Jackson or um, uh, Chad Thomas or uh, uh, Demetrius McIntosh, Kendrick North, yeah. Demetrius Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Know, Joe Jackson, Patrick Jackson. Hell, the, 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 the young fella, John Ford, came in. I mean... Trent Harris, I mean, Jonathan Gervin, DJ Johnson. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of talent. And then we're not going to even get into the linebackers. I mean, you know, I think that's the problem. They're not going to be able to run the ball against UM, and I don't think he's going to have enough time. And then the key is, how complex does Manny make the coverages? Because 
you're looking at a true freshman quarterback who last year was playing, you know, at Bell Glade Central, and they was in the spread offense. In high school, you see, what, two coverages maybe, man and three. Somebody, every oh, now right. and then, uh, four. Some yeah. So, so this this is a whole nother world, and, and I just think that the kid's gonna be good. But man, he don't have any time to you don't have any time to make any mistakes. Yeah, but I think and he's it, gonna make enough mistakes this week, and it's it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a great game. But we got to jump on to some other stuff because there's a bunch of stuff that happened this weekend. And man, we go we can spend all night talking about Florida State, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to my family, and I don't want to do that to myself. So. Now, I told you last week that my first game that I was going to call as a color, a color commentator was UCF-FIU. Oh, my God. What happened? 61 uh, to 17. 14, apparently, UCF scored 14 points in the first quarter. They scored 26 points in the second quarter. 14 in the third and seven in the fourth. Game was over with in the second quarter. It was over with. Everybody was leaving the stadium. But I'll tell you this, Kelvin, and I had no idea. I didn't watch. I wasn't a watch, uh, Oregon fan when Scott Frost was the coordinator out there. I didn't watch Oregon. But i tell you what, I got a chance to see what Oregon has been doing and what UCF did the other night. And for the All-American Conference, you better look out. I'm picking UCF to win the All-American Conference this year. First game in the season, uh, I'm picking UCF to win the conference this year. Well, I'm going to say this. They got they got the quarterback coming back, and they got a few linemen. I, I, I don't know what happened to uh, the D-line at Florida International because they always seem to have a couple of good pass rushes. But I watched uh, Arkansas State play Central Florida um in their bowl game, you know, trying to get a little insight on Arkansas State for uh, Miami. And their offensive line passed block as if that kid had talked bad about their moms. I mean, they didn't protect him at all. Now, I know that was in December, and, you know, they had a spring practice and fall practice, and they got guys returning. But I don't think those guys have gotten that much better. But I think, you know, they do have some experience, and this is their second year in that offense. And they are going to catch some people slipping. I'm not going to say they're going to win the conference because um, there's some quality teams in their conference. But okay. they're going to be a lot more so competitive. I, I, well, they I went 6 first six last year. I, I could see them go 7-5. Yeah, and, and very easy. Now, Arkansas State, Now that, that's, that's my buddy up there, Blake Anderson. Blake and I played at, uh, we coached together at the University of Louisiana Lafayette back in the day. And Blake had gone off to the University of North Carolina, and we went to the Southern Miss at first. He left us and went to Southern Miss with Larry Fedora. Then Fedora gets the job at the University of North Carolina. So he goes there. And at the University of North Carolina, I, you know, hey, Bush left them, left them a pretty good team. Oh, yeah. Okay, he left them some, some players in the, in the stable. But, man, what, what they were able to do at North Carolina and what Larry Fedora is doing now, Blake Anderson is taking that, and he's going to Arkansas State with it. And he's, he's oh, no. telling you, that's, that, that's not, not – no, we can't just sit there and say, well, okay, well, Arkansas State plays. Well, Arkansas State's a pretty darn good team. Blake won the conference his first year in the league. we we got to take a break. You know, hold that thought. We're going to come back to this UCF-FIU game. But um, I'm telling you, man, hey, Arkansas State's a pretty darn good team. 
Let's not sweep them on the rug just yet. You see them? No, they got some talent. Oh, yeah. So we're going to take a break, family. And when we come back, we'll finish this conversation. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Family, family, we're back. Back here with my main man, Kelvin Harris. And we're talking about UCF and FIU and the great job that Scott Frost is doing over there at UCF, University of Central Florida. And a lot of work that Butch Davis and his, his staff has to do with FIU. Now, Kelvin, 61 to 17. Mm. And that 61 points in a football game, a 60-minute football game, is a lot of points. Point a minute. Yeah, Exactly. So how does you know how does Butch overcome that, and what does Butch do with FIU this week in order for them to get ready to play? And they play Alcorn this weekend, Alcorn State. Now, if the hurricane allows the game to take place, Hurricane Irma is leaking out there in the in the, in the uh, on the ocean, and she looks like she's getting ready to cause major havoc across the country, especially the southeastern part of the country. And well, they'll I'm get hoping the game in. They'll get the game yeah. in because Irma's not not going to hit Miami until uh, if he hits Miami, it's not going to hit Miami until Monday. But the one thing you said, okay, well, they, well, they, man, um, well, man, Harris is one of your many um, jobs as a Haitian. But anyway, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I I was just looking at uh, the Weather Channel because man, they be they, they're uh, updating this thing every two three hours because uh, it is a monster of a hurricane. But um, it's not going to hit. Uh, 
Florida or the mainland of USA until Monday sometimes. So they'll get the game in, but they've got everything. Uh, I guess I talked to uh, my best friend. He's in Fort Lauderdale. And he said the water's already gone there. But if they do get a chance to play the game, I mean, just like how Florida State's got to rebound and they get Louisiana Monroe, I mean, Alcorn is the perfect team to come in there to, you know, put a little salve on the wounds. And then, you know, the guys at Florida International, Butch is going to light a fire in them. I mean, he's probably going to kill them in the film session. And then they're going to have a spirited week of practice. And then they go out on uh, Saturday fired up because, I mean, they got to get that bad taste out of their mouth. Now, the question is, what happens after Alcorn? Who do they play after Alcorn? I think they start conference play after Alcorn, to be honest with you. I got it right here. Well, well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. They, they're they in the same situation as Florida State. It's like, you you got to get the stench off you. you got to find a way to right the ship. Butch has got to make corrections this week, and he's got to see improvement on those corrections in the game. And then they got to find a way to take it up a, another level after that because now you're getting into the meat and potatoes of your schedule with conference play. So it's not a, it's not a lot of time for them to lick their wounds. It's like it's... You know, they got to get right back on the horse and ride through again. And, I mean, Butch has been through this. So, yeah, I think, yeah. and I he, think he's, he's overcome. I was just taking it back. You know, he's overcome a lot of this. These same situations. Think, when he got to Miami, look at what he did over there. Yeah, well, that's what I was taking it back. I was taking it back by the score because I just didn't think there was that big of a difference in the talent uh, between the two schools. And, you know... I mean, Florida is national. Here's where the talent really showed up at. Here's where the difference in talent really showed up. And I'm telling you, I'm calling the game. Now, Mackenzie Milton, I mean, he's a get-down player of the week to me. Threw for over 360 yards. Kid had a tremendous game. And a lot of those plays came from not necessarily the offensive line doing such a great job that he just had all the time in the world to throw the ball. A lot of those plays came from him buying time with his feet. And keeping mm. those plays alive. Oh, you should have seen it, man. It, it was it was a thing of beauty. But Kevin, the thing that really stood out to me was the blocking by the wide receivers on the perimeter. That stood out mm. tremendously to me. That it was like, wow, wait a minute. You know, it, it, this is where FIU is outmanned. Those receivers were just bullying those corners at FIU, and the ball was able to get out on the perimeter real quick. And FIU, I mean, UCF got enough speed with Adrian Killen and um, Napoleon Maxwell and those guys to where they got out, when they got out on the perimeter. I don't care how fast of a linebacker you are unless you got the right angle. Ain't no catching them guys. And they did a great job, man. They really did. The scheme that he's running over there is conducive to the speed that he's able to get here in the state of Florida. And it just benefits him all, all across the board because those receivers – but I'm telling you, I told my receivers at Merritt Island yesterday, that's the difference in the ball game. When we were at Miami, Al Golden used to preach that. He used to harp on that. Dude, we used to we used to come back and watch films, and those were highlight plays of those guys blocking Herb Waters, Rayshon Scott, Stacey Coley, them guys out on the perimeter blocking. Those are the plays that he showed. And I tell you what, a lot of people don't, don't harp on that. But I know UCF and Sean Beckton did, and it showed Saturday night. Well, it's, uh, it's ironic you say that because uh, one of the things in Miami's game this week was uh, Braxton Berrios had 
several blocks downfield that led to long gains and a couple of touchdowns. And, you know, it's like you say, people take for granted how necessary it is for the wide receivers to keep their blocks downfield because realistically, if you don't block downfield, guys like you who play safety, you make plays. And the corners make plays. Of course. Well, you know what, Kevin? They they can block all they want to down the field. Guys like me, we're going to make that play regardless. Because remember, they're blocking the corners. I'm running. I wish a receiver would try to line up and block against me. <laughs> Even if you're in the but There's a lot of other stuff that happened this week, too. Now, now what about this Texas A&M game? Well, Kevin, really? what happened? Like I was telling you on the break, that was the hot seat bowl because both those coaches came in that game. The nooses were already drawn for both of them. It was a matter of who lost. And it looked like Jim uh, Moore was going to have to walk the plank. And then I don't know what happened. A&M took their foot off the gas, and they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't restart the engine. And I, like I said, you up by thirty-four points. You let somebody come back on you with thirty-four well, part with a thirty-four point lead. Part of the problem is, and it, it reminded me of the Super Bowl. You know, Kevin Sumlin, and I, I mean, it's hard to defend. You know him. Some of his actions are, don't quite make sense. But in this situation, you were supposed to go to your uh, offensive coordinator and say, look, I don't mind you throwing the ball, but we need to be snapping this ball with three, two, four seconds left on the, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, time clock every time. And Spot if we do through, Yeah, they, they didn't. And, and, you know, they were trying to make excuses for them talking about it was a freshman quarterback. Well, that's where the coaching comes in at. You got to make this kid aware, hey, man, don't snap that ball until it's under five. And, you know, I know you can't just run the ball every time, but if you are going to throw the ball, throw a bubble screen, something that's completable and stays in bounds and keeps the defense from um, from, from from just, you know, going, going all, out, all out into the box. You know, and then maybe go five-wise and run a quarterback draw. You know, but don't don't call it uh don't call any passes because one, your offensive line is suspect with a pass blocking, and two, you got a freshman quarterback. Don't put that pressure on him. And and it's like I think, you know, they showed shots of Kevin uh coming on the sideline and he was he just had this deer in the headlights look. And it's like you're the leader, you gotta take charge. You gotta go to your coordinator and say, Look, this is what we're gonna do. We got the lead. But I don't know. Um I'm I'm thinking he'll make it through the season, but you know he's got to. You well, know, we said you said he might make it through the season, but there was there were rumblings last year that he wasn't going to make it. And I'm talking early in the season, fourth season well, of the season. They were questioning well, he, whether or not he was going to make it then. Well, it, it seems to be a recurring theme. He's under the his team is under the same situation as Florida State and FIU. They had an early game; it was a big game. Uh, they get a they get a reprieve this week. They got a cupcake, but then they right back in the fire. They got Arkansas coming up, uh, South Carolina, I believe. So, looking at the first six games, like the fifth game is Bama. We just chalk that up to a loss already because they don't have the horses to beat Bama. So, for him to keep his job, he's got to come out of the first half of the season four and two, because I think he can go four and two in the backside. 
eight and four gives them a shot. The reality is, I don't think they're gonna beat South Carolina, and they play Arkansas tough. I don't think they're gonna beat Arkansas. So now you're looking at three and five, and then you got Florida in the seventh game. Now you're three and six. You might not get a but you're tenth in the SEC game. What? Correct. Yeah, they're in the West. I mean, you, you got, got LSU, LSU and Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's a murderous role. Not to mention yeah. the one. The one saving grace is Mississippi is in turmoil. But Mississippi State, that's going to be a toss-up game. And I would normally say they would go either way. Yeah, I would normally say they beat Missouri. But, I mean, the way they looked in pass defense, I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be tough. Kevin, we're rooting for you, buddy. I mean, hey, man, you're one of our guys, a good friend of of ours, of many of ours. And we're hoping that you get this thing turned around. But that's not a good start. That's not a good start at all. Especially in Texas A&M. You got more resources at Texas A&M than you do most schools in the country. Yeah, they got the one thing that I learned about Texas A&M, and this is what they talk about. This is how they describe Texas A&M to me. You can go to any Fortune 500 company in in the country. All right, any Fortune 500 co- company in the country, and in their parking lot, you will see a tag that says Texas A&M. No, Here's it's an alumni. The- from Texas A&M, at every Fortune 500 country, a company in the country, the resources are tremendous. They are. And for you I to, just think, yeah. I, I think the expectations of the um, the alumni, though, I mean, I can understand what they're saying. Well, look, we're Texas A&M. We've got all these resources. We should be just as good as Alabama and LSU. Well, maybe you should, should but it's not the case. And, and then, you know, you got the guy from the Board of Regents, Busby, you know, posted on his Facebook page after the game that if it was up to him, uh, Kevin Sumlin would be gone. He'd be gone. Exactly. But the so problem is the Romans have already started. The Romans yeah. have already started. I don't – he's going to have to go at least 9-3. and 9-3 and and would definitely keep his job. 9-3 would keep his job. I don't Eight see nine. Four, there's still some guys. There's still some guys on the board or direction that are saying, "Hey, look, you know, we can do better." And well, here's we, the question: we, I'm not paying this kind of money to, to to lose four and five games a year, not win the SEC West. Well, here's the question I got for you on that, Hurley. All right, if you get rid of him, who are you gonna replace him with? Because I really think after this year, the Tom Herman experiment at Texas is gonna sour a lot of these big schools on these upper. Up and coming, upstart um, coaches. And I wouldn't be so so quick to say that. Now he has my personal friend out there, and one of the guys that I think a great defensive mind, and Mark Denofrio. So he's got no Mark's at Mark's at Houston. I'm sorry. You yeah. Can continue to talk bad about him, then Kevin. But we're gonna have to continue that conversation when we come back because we got to take a break. <laughs> we got to go pay some bills. But. Um, we're going to take this break, and we'll be right back, and we'll finish the conversation. Be back in a few. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Well, we're back. Back with my main man, Kelvin Harris. My room dog. We're sitting there talking about Texas A&M and UCLA. A&M. 34-point lead. Gives it away. UCLA comes back to win the game. What a controversial pass at the end of the game. Now, Kelvin, I saw that pass. That, that, that's clearly a touchdown. What, where's the controversy? I mean, maybe it was the... Uh, oh, well, I mean, maybe he faked the spike. I don't know. I, it was more the controversy on A&M's part for letting it happen. Uh, they yeah, had, that, that's the controversy I'm seeing. I don't, I don't see that being, being a questionable call. I mean, they had a situation. The guy throws up two ducks, and his guys, well, one one of the ducks, uh, the A&M uh, defensive back, lets it go right through his hands to the receiver for a touchdown. And then the last one, he just tossed that up in the air, and um, his guy just wanted it more. I mean, Josh Rosen is supposed to be one of the top two or three Picks in the in the in the upcoming NFL draft. Him and Sam Darnold and the kid from Wyoming are the top three quarterbacks. But I saw a lot of holes in his game. But I'm I'm really like looking at the future for A and M. I just don't see how they can get to even eight wins because they got a quarterback who's a true freshman who can't throw. And in in that league, they're going to sit on him and they're going to force him to go. And then it just looked like to me they didn't have any playmakers at the receiver position. Right. And, and that's what you got to question. And those are the questions that I have. Kevin, you're out there, you're Texas A&M. And again, I know how hard it is to recruit. I know these, these kids are, are different. It's a different age, day and age. It's, it's different. But Texas A&M, you're in one of the re- recruiting hotbeds in the whole entire country. And you got access to all these great athletes. 
And, and a lot of them, your family, third and them fans, might be the fourth or best team in the state of Texas. Yeah. That, 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 well, that's, and, and that, that, that's what we, the alumni and the power of the be the Texas A&M. That's what they're looking at. That school should be a powerhouse. I remember back in the days with Aaron Glenn, Marcus Buckley, Oh, the Corey Yacht. Yeah. Woo! I used to say, I used to be proud of the way that they played college football. Yeah, they had some Where has that gone? Oh, yeah. Uh, Where has that gone? What, what, what happened? Well, the ironic twist oh, yeah. they hired John. They, they hired John Chavis to bring back the defensive glory, and it has been, it's not happened. I mean, he's making a million dollars a year, and um, you give up that many points. You not only got to question Kevin Sumlin, you got to question John Shavers, defensive coordinator. Yeah, but ultimately, you, what you got to question is the the leader or the the decision maker to bring those guys in. But I tell you, hey, that, but it was a, it was a great game to watch. I had a lot of fun watching the game. But we got to give kudos to my boy and I, Larry Scott, the Tennessee yeah, Volunteers, baby. Oh yeah, they did. Larry Scott in his first game as an offensive coordinator, comes back on Georgia Tech in two overtimes to win the football game. Larry, the get-down coach of the week, baby. Larry Scott, my main man. Now, Larry, was, Larry took over when they, when they got rid of uh, Coach Golden, Al Golden, at the University of Miami when they asked Al to step down. Um, they named Larry Scott the interim head coach. And Larry did a tremendous job. He did a tremendous job. We lost to Washington State, and you know, in the bowl game. But outside of that, man, our, our kids really started to learn and understand that they are responsible for coaches' families and lives. And that was a transition, uh, Kelvin. That yeah, I hated to go through it, but. On you know hindsight, you sit back, you're looking at it, and like you really now the kids truly understand when a coach says you know you 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 have a lot to do with how I feed my family. Kids really started to understand that, and it was a heartbreaking yeah. day, man, to sit there and watch Al Golden have to pack up his office, and we were all in tears. They named Larry Scott the interim head coach, and. What Larry, his approach then was, I got to go show everybody in the country that Al Golden was on the cusp of having a great football team, a great football program, and he did it. And he absolutely yeah, he did. did it. Because Al, we, we were right there, buddy. We were a couple of games away from, from I honestly do believe, being in the playoffs. I really do believe that with all my heart. I think the following year, had we stayed another year, I think we would have been in the playoffs. I think the University of Miami was coming back. But in the meantime, Larry takes the job. Butch Jones hires Larry as a tight end coach. Larry's up there for a year. Butch sees the impact that Coach Scott had on the offense, had on the relationship that he had with the players, how the players, how the players actually followed him. They trusted him. They loved him. And he turned over, hey, he turned over his offense to Larry Scott. And it paid off in the very first game of the season because at the beginning of the game, oh, man, I was sitting there falling in my chair, Kelvin. I'm like, oh, no. But, man, them suckers, they kept playing. And it was a 60-minute, as a matter of fact, it was a 70-minute game, two overtime. 
Yeah, it was. And I tell you, the, the other thing that a lot of people will not give credit to, and you're going to like this one here, Kel, the one thing you got to remember, that was a long football game. It was a late game. Georgia Tech goes up. Tennessee has to come scrapping back. They fighting back. They had the endurance and the conditions to finish that game, and they finished a lot stronger than Georgia Tech did. And you know who's responsible for that? Who's that? I mean, man. Brad Roll, baby. Brad. Oh, Brad Roll is straight from Tennessee. He's, the, he, he's one of them, but he's responsible for the GPS system, Kelvin. Oh. So, again, last night I'm watching the game, and that's one of the factors that has to be factored in when teams are actually playing somebody. Because you got the, the, the few factors. Let's look at this real quick before we get out of here. Okay, when you're playing a team, when I'm sitting and I'm getting ready, I'm saying Merritt Island's getting ready to play Rockledge or Coco, all right? There's, there's a couple of different factors that I look at, okay? One, the level of talent. Are my kids as good as their kids? Okay? So you can win games because your kids are just that much better than the opposing team's kids. Now, let's say the kids, let's say the players are similar. Players are very close, like us in Florida State. Comes down to coach. Which coaching staff has the edge? Which coaching staff is better? Which coaching staff is going to have their kids more prepared to play this game? If mm. the coaching staff and the players are similar, the game comes down to the strength and conditioning coach. Who's, got be- who's in better shape? Who's better conditioned? Who's stronger? Who's That's mentally tougher? comes down to. And I learned that from Andrew Swayze, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country, bar none, in the country. Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, all of these kids coming up underneath Andrew Swayze, Olivier Vernon, Duke Johnson, Mike James, the list goes on and on and on. Lamar Miller, all of these guys. At, at one point in time, Andrew Swayze had 21st rounders in four years. In four years, he had 21st rounders. But my main man, Brad Rowe, was the difference in that ball game last night. I promise you that. And, Brad, we got to get kudos to you. B. Rowe, you are the get-down coach of the week. Larry Scott, I got to give him a tie. The get-down coach of the week goes to both Brad Rowe and my main man, Larry Scott. Now, next week, we're getting ready to get out of here. Next week, Kelvin, we got the granddaddy of them all. Next week, joining us on the get-down is Coach Howard Snellenberg himself. Oh, wow. Yes. Matt, Kevin, I'm so excited. I don't know what to do. But Howard Snellenberg is going to come. He's going to join the get-down with Hurley Brown. He's going to be on with my main man, my co-host, Kelvin Harris, and we're going to talk about the Florida State-Miami game. It's going to be a preview with the godfather himself. And, Kevin, I can't wait till next week. Family, that's been our time. Hope you enjoyed the show. You got Ray Ellis coming up next. Same channel. Don't go nowhere. Ray's going to talk to you about what's going on in the National Football League. So anyway, Ray, have a great show. Kelvin, thank you for joining me. Next week, no problem. Be Howard Snellenberger, right here, same place, same time, same channel with the grandfather of South Florida football. Thanks for tuning in to The Get Down with Hurley Brown. 
The Coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week. 